here we are on episode three of uh, this thing that we're doing, this podcast. Yeah, season two, kind of. Yeah, season two, episode one six three. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. We're drinking some coffee. Ooh, that's fresh. Yeah. Smooth. What do you think of that? So one of the segments that we're wanting to do for this show is a coffee segment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. So here we are. Connor picked up some new coffee today. I did. At a local shop. I went to a, a local Tennessee shop called uh, Red Bicycle. Red Bicycle. This is Depot District Blend. Uh, and it's actually roasted right here in Tennessee. Nice. Um, it has an expiration date, which is a good sign for coffee. It means it's, uh, it's fresh and it's usually a good roast. <laughs> roasted in MFD by Red Bicycle Co., Nice. We have to drink this ASAP, basically. Yeah. Uh, about two or three weeks, right? Yeah, the barista said it's like two weeks of... Sal- <laughs> Excuse me. The barista said a solid two weeks of uh, freshness, and then after that it starts to decline. It's still good, she said, but like... What does that have? What does that mean about all the coffee that is sitting at Kroger right now, or Walmart? Yeah, I don't on know. On the shelves. There's preservatives or, or something that they <laughs> stick in it to make it last 10 years or whatever they do. So let me, let me, let me get some tasting notes here. Let's see. Yeah. It is fruity, nutty, as some people would say. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, not too bitter, but not too sweet. It's not that tea-like flavoring that you get with some of the really fruity stuff. Which I prefer. Um, I don't like the fruitier coffees that taste kind of herbally or tea-like. Mm-hmm. The This earthier tones, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's got a nice nut flavor. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's sharp, bitter, and yet smooth. Yeah. So anyways, if you're ever in the middle Tennessee area, maybe Red Bicycle, give them a go. They're pretty good. Nice. Yeah. And and using like real coffee actually makes a huge difference in terms of the juiced up levels of caffeine. Yeah. Yeah. We're not using, what's that cheap coffee that everyone buys that all our dads bought back in the day? Folgers. Folgers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This ain't Folgers, guys. This ain't Folgers. It makes a big difference if you've never actually bought properly roasted coffee even if you're not much of a coffee drinker i'd recommend giving it a try because it makes a huge difference absolutely but uh hey you got the new iphone now i did yeah i have the iphone 14 pro i picked it up on sunday um the camera on this thing is the like the camera bulge as we'll say is huge i'm showing it to the to your camera because that's the only one with autofocus good enough autofocus for this situation here let's go r5 pretty Uh, decent pretty decent yeah i mean here you have your phone in your pocket i do yeah so the biggest difference is look at this on the camera look at how much bigger this camera bump is so it doesn't focus on me yeah it's absurd also notice the boring black color (laughs) <laughs> but it is a nice blacky black. Um, unlike in the past, it's been like a very faded black. Yeah. This a, is a true, you know, and it still is quite a bit faded, but well, it's I would say the, much darker um, than... The border is very jet black. Which I like a lot. Yeah. So um, that's cool. It's very nice. I should be getting mine on Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to miss the blue phone. I'm going to miss it. I um, I still made one. Yeah, I just I wish purple sold me more, but it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I've seen pictures of it. I've seen it. I mean, it looks all right, but I'm fine with a black phone for now. It's pretty cool. So this is the first year that I've gone down to a Pro instead of a Pro Max, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been a ever since the six. I've been using bigger phones. Um, there have been times, periods of time where I was on a smaller one. I had the SE 
did the new the se2 for a while yeah and i actually really liked the smaller size but then i went back to a max phone with the 11 and then the 12 so um yeah, yeah it, it i'm already used to it and i when i sent in my uh 12 pro max yesterday and put it in the box i held it for a while i was like man this thing's a brick <laughs> and so I, I kind of understood how how like other people like yourself, like yeah. when you pick it up, you're like, holy cow, this is ridiculous. Because you do become so used to whatever you have. Right. Um, and for a few moments, I was like, man, this is a small screen. But then you just adjust to it. And I think that's true for everything. Laptops, mm-hmm. uh, monitors, phones, watches. Like, yeah. You just kind of get used to whatever size you get. Well, I know when I get the Apple Watch Ultra, that's going to be my thing because it looks huge. Yeah. I mean, it's even bigger than the biggest eight series watch Mm -hmm. and i wear the smaller of the two watches i don't know why i just kind of preferred the smaller size well the smaller size obviously is a little cheaper so that always helps but when they went to the larger screen size the smaller size was i think big enough for most people in terms of being able to read the the screen i mean there was nothing wrong with it i just needed it to occasionally give me a notification and then tell time so um that's been a nice change. And then as far as the 14 go, the 14 pro goes, I do truly love this, um, dynamic Island. Yeah. I think it's quite revolutionary to be honest. Um, you can see the little pill shape at the top there. It's almost like a, an actual feature of the phone. Now they're not hiding it away like they used to in the past. Yeah. Um, I'm, what is that? That's, I do think it's a pretty good use of a bad design. So, for example, I'm playing a song, a Michael Buble song. I go home, and you can see it kind of animated up into the dynamic island. And then I can tap it. So, I go I go home, and it just morphs into uh, the music player. And then if I want to go back to the music player, I can just tap the dynamic island, and it brings me back to the music player. This is true of uh, phone calls. Laura called me today. And I had to look something up on my email. When I went home and went to my email, I could see the phone dialogue in the mm. top left. And then I could see her waveform going on as she was talking in huh. the in the pill. And it was a really clever, I think it was a really clever design. Yeah. And then also Connor and I both are coming from 12s, which didn't have ProMotion. Mm-hmm. So um, now finally having ProMotion is, is really nice, having that extra uh, refresh rate. Yeah, I mean, for now, I don't miss it because I don't know anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, nice I don't got it yet. If you're reading any type of text, it's great to have that extra refresh rate. It can go up to 120 frames per second. Um, and then, of course, as many of you guys are probably wondering, the cameras on them are fine. They're good. I mean, Still an iPhone. <laughs> I posted a tweet today. I said, um, spoiler alert, iPhone 14 Pro photos and videos still look like iPhone photos and videos. Yeah. And it's, and some people got angry at that tweet. Oh, really? Armando did in particular. He sent me a bunch of pictures that you guys took at the uh, um, camera camp mm. on the iPhone 12 Pro yeah. with the po- portrait mode. And like, look at all these great photos we took. And it's like, yeah, that's a great photo. And I'm not even debating that the iPhone can or can't take good photos. Right. I was just saying, even those photos, Armando, look like iPhone photos. <laughs> so, like, yeah. that's a really good, comma, iPhone photo. <laughs> I will say that occasionally the iPhone will surprise me with a photo. I'll be like, oh, that looks really good. Yeah. Like, there's a few times where it just truly, uh, 
you know, impresses me. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it, it's an iPhone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it'll take uh, family photos really well. Yeah, document your life. Um, that's what it's really made for. It's it's replaced the point and shoot that all of our moms had in, right. in the early 2000s. Yeah, so I mean, for that, it's great. And then for anything more, buy a camera. <laughs> yeah, and I think even more than that, having a dedicated tool with a grip, with dials, with buttons that are designed for one purpose, mm-hmm. that really goes a long way. Having an EVF, I think I love having an EVF for taking right. photos. Right. So if you're on the FX3, sorry, you're out of luck. I know. It's practically <laughs> an iPhone, really, if you think about it. That's why I could never go to the FX3, um, <laughs> even though I, I like that well, one a lot. Well, there's the A7S3, so, you know, there's still yeah, something for you. They yeah. got you. They got you covered. <clears throat> no, we're still rocking the Canons. We got the C300 original. On yep. me, we've got the C70 here, and then With the, the old... crooked screen, and then they got the overheating R5. We just really love Canon here, yeah. you know? We're just... We're just making the best choices. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that you want to add to the iPhone conversation? You're still waiting on yours. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting on mine. I'm still waiting on my watch. Uh, I don't know why my watch... I, to- I bought it, like, the first day, but I guess because I'm not picking it up from the store and I got it delivered, it's going to take... An extended period of time so first week of october for the watch which mm-hmm. is big sad uh and then the phone friday so i should be able to say something on it next week but honestly it'll probably be the same thing you've said on it this week so <laughs> uh iphone 14 it's an iphone hopefully the 15 is a little more revolutionary we'll see what happens that's right so dave not to change the topic but i think you did talk to another creator sounded out films did that go well yeah eric sounded out films he is an avid c70 shooter while we're oh, on nice. the topic of canon yeah and we talked a lot about the c70 uh that's his primary camera and he knows a lot about it he makes it look incredible and teaches so many people how to how to make their c70 look great um but we talk about all sorts of other things, YouTube, all sorts of fun stuff. So cool. Let's Aren't check we, uh, it out. Yeah, we'll kick it on over to that. My interview with Eric Walker. All right, so I'm here with Eric Walker from Sounded Out Films. What's up, Eric? Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> so I'm using uh, an R5 right now as the webcam, um, but then this is my main A cam. I'm I switched out the R5 so that. I can hold this. And what I'm holding in my hand for the audio listeners is, of course, the infamous C70. And this is my like personal home video setup. I use this tiny little 10 to 18, which I think, have you ever messed with this? No. This little STM lens. Dude, this thing is surprisingly good. Um, it's only $200. It's obviously super tiny. $200? Uh, so- yeah, two hundred and yeah. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> <laughs> it's an EFS lens, so yeah. it's not full frame. Okay, but, I mean this isn't a full frame yep. camera, so um, it's got it's an STM focus lens, so it's perfectly silent focus autofocus. It's got built-in mm-hmm. stabilization, optical stabilization, and it's ten to eighteen, which is like your perfect range. The only downside is you know, the speed on it, it's an F 4.5 to five, six. So it's very slow, but you know, as if you're using this on a gimbal, uh, or you just need a decent wide shot. And especially if you're outdoors, I mean, it's plenty, plenty good enough. Um, but hilariously, this setup that you're looking at with nothing else is what I use to film my kids as like my home camcorder. Um, I don't use, I found that the built-in microphone on the C70 with the auto 
leveling feature is actually pretty good, at least for my needs. <laughs> and so mm. it's like one of the best built-in mics I've ever used, to be honest. It actually sounds pretty good. Um, really? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't like used it for anything except for, for Scratch that I've never, thankfully, haven't had to actually you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. try to polish up and... I was using like one of those little Rode video micros or I have a deity, uh, duo, Mm -hmm. uh, D4 duo. Um, and those are great, but like when I listened to the built in audio, it wasn't that much different to be honest. And I was like, man, the convenience of not having to plug anything in is wonderful. So, so I shoot, uh, I shoot 4k 10 bit 422 C log (laughs) two. With this lens, with no mic for all my home videos, and I throw the Tyler Stallman LUT on top of it. Although I may be switching my LUT up based on your last video. But anyways, that was way yeah. too much of me talking, but I had to nerd out with with you because you're a fellow C70 user. But um, Yeah, there's, there's yeah. a few things in there that I want to talk about. Uh, first off, <laughs> when you mentioned the, the silent autofocus, like uh-huh. that is something that I very recently kind of was just have been burned by honestly with the lenses I have that I yeah sure that I, I have loved and I kind of evangelize on my channel I use Sigma primes and I I've, I've made videos about how I love them about how you know they're so shallow if you want that look you have the ability to go so shallow and they're not that expensive and I, I've had them for a while and I love them but I have done some doc stuff recently where I was using autofocus and had an onboard microphone and they were so loud the, the mm. focusing on those sigmas. Sure. Like I've had people in the comments ask me if I'd been bothered by it. And I've always said like, no, or recently I did respond to someone and say, actually, yeah, I, I, I didn't <laughs> oh. realize it like <laughs> until I realized it, you know, it's one of those things that like I heard it, but I'm usually in a situation like professionally like this, where I have like a boom mic and you're never yeah. going to pick up the, the, <laughs> when you have a, a boom pull um, yeah. but for those situations where you do have audio, on the camera, it actually is like a re- like it could be a reason to not use those Sigma lenses at all. Totally in those, in those situations. I I uh, I um I just I think two weeks ago got this lens, my first RF lens. Oh, that wow. is a super cheap, super tiny, like kind of similar focal length, um, sixteen is that millimeter. The 16? Yes. Yeah. How is it? Tell me Which, about it. So I I haven't actually tested it like for video yet like i i um i got it because i have an eos rp that i use for just perfect personal photos just for when me and my girlfriend go on a trip and i want like a full frame camera like the rp is super cheap it's super tiny it can like fit in a pocket um yeah but i I bought that camera thinking well it's super cheap and super tiny and i can fit in a pocket but of course if i throw on my rf to ef adapter and then throw on like any of my sigma lenses now it's <laughs> basically like carrying around my c70 it's like i mean it's smaller yeah. but uh, marginally like i need a tiny like pancake this isn't quite pancake but i wanted something like pretty that. close to one because i i do actually even have a pancake but putting that with the adapter is still mm-hmm. bulky um, yeah so i got this little tiny 16 and um it's the first rf lens that's that's graced my c70 because i never wow. went down that that route because they're so expensive, but this one is super cheap, you know? Yeah. And it, it doesn't feel like as much of a waste when you buy it. Um, because yeah, cause it is cheap, even though it is technically a full frame lens. Um, that that's been my predicament with it is like, that's why I've, I've bought EF lenses as well. Mostly. Um, well, all of them, I don't, I don't have a single RF lens either. Um, mm-hmm. it's because I'm like, I don't want to spend $2,500 on the 15 to 35 
and not get full use of that lens. I'm only getting half of the, yeah. I'm only getting half of the lens. And so therefore I'm carrying around a lens that's bigger than it needs to be. And it's more expensive than it should be for the focal range that I'm actually yeah. using it at. It's like, I wish like you're future proofing yourself. So if you do True. in the future, they come up with like a C90 or something. I don't know what they'll call it, but if they come they up with should. like a full frame C70, then you, you know, you'll have the lenses at the ready. If you did yeah. invest probably in those full frame you RFs, if you, you are going to, you know, get the next one. You don't think you and I will be switched over to Sony by then, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, how are you, how are you still I, holding I, off? That that's a big question. How are you not switched over yet? I, because I, I did switch over many years ago and was burned so bad that <laughs> I'm so traumatized that I will never go back, even though I know it's safe now. I'm, I'm aware <laughs> that the colors are not like scary, but in 2000 and I don't know 16, 17, when I was mainly a video editor, I, I have been a video editor for most of my career from like college until like two years ago. I switched over to mostly shooting. I kind of slowly transitioned, but back when I was a full-time editor and just learning how to shoot and doing it kind of on the side, I invested in a, um, I switched from Canon, like a cheap DSLR to a Sony a7S one. Oh yeah. The original. I was so excited. Terrible color on that one. (laughs) It was, it was like every day I was testing it. I was buying these PDFs that had different like settings. The EOS HD guy had like dial the magenta here, the green here, the yellow here, and you put everything 10 notches in weird directions. And then it, looks good in some situations, but skin usually looks terrible in others. I just, I just never was happy with my images out of it. They were sharp, but they just, I never thought they looked good. Even when I took like took photos of friends, I thought the color was just like so unflattering. I wouldn't even want to show the photos like to the friends I took the photos of, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I just like, was like, I'm going back to Canon. Like I liked how my T3i looked more than this just because of the colors. So that's mm-hmm. when I got a C100 Mark II and I've been in the Canon cinema realm since. So I, I, it's that that experience okay. with the colors back then is what's is what I can't get over. I'm just going to I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm going to keep my C70 cuz it really truly is the most perfect camera all around. I have it. I'm blessed to have it. I might as well just keep it and use it. It's a wonderful wonderful tool. And it's got a full-size HDMI which the freaking R5C does not have. Um <clears throat> which is dumb. That is really dumb that they did that. Yeah. Uh not going to argue with you. There. <laughs> so, let's <laughs> so let's talk about your uh, YouTube channel because I'm fascinated by what you do. Like you really have recently become the C70 guy. Like, I mean, that's how I found you, obviously. I mean, half of this conversation has been me either praising or complaining about the C70. So clearly I'm a C70 nerd. Yeah. Um, tell me what happened. Like what was what was the goal originally, you know, four or five years ago? I mean, I can scroll all the way back to seven years ago. There's a lot of music related content on here. Um, but mm-hmm. recently over the last, what, year you've been, or two years, you've been doing uh, filmmaking tutorials. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Basically like close to two years ago is when, basically when I got the C70, uh, I, I pre-ordered, pre-ordered it the day I, it was announced. Um, and when I got it, I was a C100 Mark II owner. And I had had a bunch of like um, DSLRs and mirrorless cameras and really loved the C100 because of all the things we've talked about that we like about the C70. Like it has a nice top handle, it has XLRs and it has good battery life and it, you know, hasn't, it has everything that you need. Um, But I was starting to get more, starting to get more video work, um, more like videography, cinematography work. And I wanted to move away from video editing, which is what a 
what I'd been doing for the better part of a decade. Yeah. Um, I was just more interested in learning how to light and how to play with, with lights and cameras. Um, it was the more interesting thing to me at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I got the C70 in the mail, like the first day I opened it, I made a video comparing my C100 to the C70 because I, you know, I had just spent 5000 or $6,000 or whatever. And I really wanted to know, like, what are the differences? Like, I, I'm curious. I selfishly want to know, like, what, sure. what am I getting for this money? Um, yeah. And I just needed to learn how to use it for when I go on shoots. So it really started that way. The first video I made was that comparison. And um, much to my surprise, uh, within the first day, a couple hundred people maybe watched it, I think. And I didn't expect, you know, hundreds of people to stumble upon uh, a video of mine. Because in the past, I had made videos on YouTube, but it's always been like my friend's bands. You know, when I used to live in New Hampshire, I, I played in bands. I had a practice space and I would film local bands for fun with my friends who were also videographers or, or video editors or musicians. So that was just like the channel sounded out films was called sounded out sessions and the sessions. That's why it's called sound because oh. it's all music. We, we, we just made live sessions gotcha. in our practice space and sure. shot cool B roll. And, you know, we had audio <clears> engineer <throat> friends who like did, did sound at local venues and they recorded the audio. And I, and another friend and another friend of mine, Chris would shoot the videos and I'd edit them all. So that was the channel. And then the channel kind of went dead when I moved to Boston and we didn't have that practice space anymore. And then I don't know, two or three years later when I got the C70, that's when I uh, was making videos, comparing my cameras for fun and people were watching. So I kept making them and it's been, um, it's been fun to keep making them for the last two years because I keep getting better. The more tests I run on these cameras, uh, the better I get at using them. And then, you know, just helps other people out too. So are you making your living with, the freelance work primarily, or are you, are you starting to make some money on this YouTube channel? Yeah, it's definitely freelance. Um, I mean, I make like a couple hundred dollars a month on like AdSense or affiliate links, but it's definitely not, not rent paying material. Um, and I, (laughs) I never really anticipated it would be like it, it might maybe sometime in the future, but, um, if I could start getting sponsorships or something from brands I like, but, uh, yeah, I do freelance cinematography. I have traditionally done freelance video editing. I worked, mm-hmm. I had a few jobs like as a video editor um, throughout my twenties at different companies and production companies. And then I went freelance as an editor slash videographer. And now I'm kind of, then I was like freelance video editor, cinematographer, but turning down the boring editing work and taking anything shooting. And I've kind of stopped taking on the editing work unless it's like a really exciting opportunity and just taking on the the cinematography cool. jobs, which le- leaves a lot more time for YouTube too, because by definition, you know, you don't yeah. shoot every day. Like you can edit every day. So it's a better oh balance gosh, for me yeah. right now. Once you get looped into being a full-time editor, it's just, it feels like you you never stop working honestly. Cause it's Cause, you, because you, you don't really yeah. could work. <laughs> you really can work all day, every day. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. a shoot, I always loved coming home, even if it was a long day, like coming home at the end of the night, and putting your head on the pillow and realizing I'm done. <laughs> so, Best feeling. Yeah. It's like, cool. I'll be expecting that paycheck within the next 30 days, but it's usually 60 days <laughs> so, or whatever. Yeah. You got to have that emergency fund when you're a freelancer because sometimes it can take a month or more to get paid. What's the, how's the, what's the longest time it's taken for you to get your paycheck? 
Uh, well, I am still waiting for a check from like 2020 from someone that I, did, I think is not going to pay <laughs> oh my me. Goodness. Um, with, with that exception. Oh, no. um, yeah, probably like three or four months or something. You know, they slipped through the cracks, but um, yeah. It, it, yeah, I have that emergency fund. I, I, I set myself up before going freelance to have enough, you know, enough money for a few months. So that's good. It's not a smart not a huge man. Deal. Yeah, when I was first starting out, I uh, I was living paycheck to paycheck. So sometimes it was like, "Hurry up and pay me! I need the money." <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, I, I dude, have, like yeah, it, when I when it, I do hire freelancers for my shoots, they they tend to uh, have that mindset too of like, "Can you pay me today? Like, can you Venmo me today? <laughs> <laughs> can you Venmo me today?" Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and by the way, I bet yeah, I, I pay my freelancers through Venmo as well, and. Um, I think technically you're not supposed to, right? Like, or can you? I don't know. Friends and family—they're a friend. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm friends with everyone I work with. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. I, I I tend not to pay people through Venmo. Um, I do have yeah, like a this year. Checks. I finally, I finally went from like a a sole proprietor to an S corp. So I have like smart a business yeah. checking account that I tell Chase how much and they mail them a check. Um, so it is slower for oh, them, but it, it is like within a week or something. And it's just easy like to have a paper trail and to have yeah. everything go through QuickBooks and not have to uh, check my Venmo, you know, or cash app like transactions. Okay. You're teaching me something. I need to look into that then because I'm just, I'm just doing uh, Venmo and one of my friends is like, can you, can I, can you pay me only personal f- through Venmo and then work stuff through PayPal. I'm like, hey, this is getting too complicated. Just oh, PayPal. Take yeah, the, the money that I yeah. give you. I actually I got paid by someone today through PayPal, and I was like, oh, I, I really rather have that go through my company. And PayPal is personal, but I was like, eh, I don't want to annoy them, and it's I might be taxed <laughs> slightly more on it, but like it's fine. I have because I also have personal freelance stuff that's like my YouTube stuff is not through my business, so I know I'm already paying taxes on that. So this year, this transitionary year is going to be like. A third of my income is personal and two thirds is business, but hopefully by oh, 2023, cool. I can have everyone, everyone set on the sounded out Inc, which is my company oh, that's cool. paying me through sounded like out that. Inc. That's awesome. Well, I, for one, just want to thank you for the amount, the, just the amount of information you've gathered and shared, uh, on your channel, because again, as a C70 user, it's just been so valuable for me. Um, when the raw update came out, you know, your video is like the first one that I watched on that. Um, your make the C70 easier to use video about your button layout. I love that. Um, how to expose C log two on the C70. That video did really well on your channel. And it, you know, that's just something that I've watched multiple times and I've sent it out to other people as well who have oh, questions. Sick. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, it's pretty niche <laughs> because it's like, it's the filmmaking niche or niche in general is already small, but then like the, <laughs> the people who use the C70 is even smaller than that. So, yeah. but it's, it's still a lot of people. I mean, Canon is still number one in terms of camera manufacturers. And even if you don't own the C70, I think there's a lot to learn on your videos a lot of the exposure techniques and um, all sorts of different things that you talk about, documentary features, LUTs, all those things can be applied to other cameras, obviously. Um, and then you're also mixing in lens reviews, bags, lighting, gear stuff. I mean, do you have a a goal or a strategy or what's 
you know, what is the like long-term kind of goal or strategy for your channel? Yeah. I guess my, the loose, the loose goal is to like make videos that help me get better. Like that's since the first video, that's been the goal is like trying to help me learn my camera better. So if I'm doing a video just cause I think it'll like get views or something and I'm not learning anything from it, if there aren't tests that I can glean things from or a topic I can dig into deeper than I already service level know about, then it doesn't really serve me much. Like I want to, every video is like an opportunity for me to learn. But the real goal, the hope for the outcome is that people discover me on this and then hire me as a cinematographer. Um, Mm. That's something that happened a few times in the first year, which was kind of unexpected. But there are people who like, like documentary directors, for instance, who own a C70 um, Mm -hmm. and discovered me through these videos and reached out saying, hey, I'm going to be in New England filming this thing. Do you want to come on for two days? And like those types of connections, YouTube is like my... Hopefully it's like my way of advertising my actual services, which are my cinematography. Um, and I've had a few cool opportunities so far in the first two years of people who discovered me because I was teaching them how to expose properly with C-Log2 on this specific camera. Um, but then they want me to film a bunch of interviews for them and I can make my actual money that way and do fun, creative work that way too. Yeah, that's interesting. I uh, I mean, as a uh, YouTuber myself, um, I I wouldn't want to ever go back into freelance. It's been the most freeing thing being in complete control of my career and being able to literally make anything I want and make money off of it. Has that been of any temptation to you or of any interest to explore a full-time YouTube career? Um, Maybe. I mean, it would have to be like, the thing is it's hard to imagine because I'd have to be at such a higher level than I am now. So it's almost like, futile to think about it, but like, I, like, I would need bigger budgets from maybe like a Danny Gavertz type thing, like where he gets music bed to give him to sponsor a video where he gets yeah, to make yeah. a fun documentary about cycling. Yeah. Like that type of stuff does, that would be awesome. You know, if I well, was at that level where I'm a hundred times bigger than I am now, I suppose, but I would, yeah, but I'd still want to be making like documentary. Like I love documentary style videos and, yeah. um, and unless I'm making beat behind the scenes of those videos, I can't like just make those types of videos for YouTube. Sure. Well, you could do, well, yeah, I mean, let's workshop this a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, I'm, ha- definitely- I'm so interested in your, in your feedback, you know, what your <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, by the way, I'm not familiar if, if you, um, if you, uh, are you familiar with my channels and stuff that I've been in or whatever? I discovered you through, um, through, I've seen every indie mogul, video i think so okay cool yeah Yeah, that was that was a fun podcast through there yeah that was fun but we didn't want to live in california so we moved back home um for just personal reasons to be honest it was nothing it was a total dream uh opportunity and i loved it and Mm -hmm. everything was everything seemed perfect to be a part of that and i loved every minute of it but my home life i have two boys and a and a wife and so um my home life wasn't wasn't what I wanted, and uh, so we moved back home. And I'm I mean, really that's grateful. What's we important, did. obviously, yeah. But th- those yeah. videos were, you know, obviously amazing. <laughs> I, I, you guys Thank did you. some really really <laughs> cool stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, maybe did you see the C70 review that I did on that on Indie Mogul? Because that that uh, I, I got yeah, it. I must have. Yeah. Okay. I remember I was so excited about it. I begged them to, you know, rent one for so we could do a video on it and. I think we did like two or three 
compared it to the Komodo and did one Mm -hmm. anyways. But um, I don't think you're that, I don't think you're as small as you think you are. Like, yes, you know, you're, you're basically at 6,000 subscribers. And by the way, if you're not subscribed already, go to youtube.com slash sound it out films and subscribe now. Um, but some Thank of your you. videos, <clears throat> some of your big videos have really good views. You have a real knack for thumbnails. I, th- I believe your thumbnails are really good. Um, it's clean. You're obviously like seeing what works and repeating the things that do. And um, yeah, you can see I, the same like font in three different videos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well. that's, that's yeah. good. That's, that's part of your branding. Yeah. Um, when I see like, for example, two weeks ago, you posted the turn your cannon into an RE Alexa kind of like you use the same font, but I mean, it's your face is your brand too. So, I mean, I knew it was you because of your, your face, but um, mm-hmm. honestly, I think your problem is it's too niche. It's too, which is also the reason I love your channel. Because it's all C70. <laughs> but I think that is the problem. If you literally just did yeah. exactly what you're doing and did an A7S review and you compared it, you compared the C, you could still be the C70 guy. Just compare it to an A7S, mm-hmm. compare it to an R5, start kind of playing yeah. that game a little bit. You would, I mean, you, you already know how to do these YouTube videos. You're really good at it. And you as a person are, are really good. And you can totally do the, um, the documentary stuff. I think there's, Every single person has their own lane on YouTube. It's like there's no there, there's no competition really because there's nobody like you. And I'm speaking for to everybody who's listening. Like if you want to start a YouTube channel and you have a passion for something, even if other people have that same passion and other people have made YouTube channels about that thing, nobody can talk about it in the way you talk about it because nobody's lived your life. Mm-hmm. So I think you have a great skill on camera of just being authentic. I think you're obviously a great shooter. You understand YouTube really well in terms of thumbnails, titles, etc. Um, I think just if you literally just flipped a switch and started doing other things other than C70, all, like all C70, it probably would like grow faster. Um, and also like bags, lighting, stuff like helios 442 softer lighting like those types of things are really helpful but they're also not they're not very searchable um so for example you know i was sent to the osmo action two or three from dji this last week and i did a review on that but then gopro released their 11 last week as well the gopro 11 black or whatever and I just looked on there and like I could buy it and do same day delivery the next day. So like the day they announced it, the next day I got it. And then that day I shot a video. So it's like, even though I, I didn't get the camera ahead of time before everybody else, you know, like potato jet got one, you know, Maddie Apoya got one, but I didn't, but I could still at least get it a week after they got it. And like, which isn't that far after. And you can do that too. Anybody can do that. So just buy the thing as soon as it comes out do a comparison, especially with like lens rentals or, you know, any of those types of resources well, I, too. Even I don't like than buying. not really because you can always return it. 
Oh, inside so, scoop here. I never even thought of that. Yeah, so <laughs> sneaky Dave. Lens rentals, you pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for yeah. the way I used to do it was I would just order it on Amazon and then I would Damn. do my review same day, you know, maybe keep it for two or yeah. three days. You know, two or three days is nothing, and then you just return it. They don't care. They're just there's millions and millions of returns all day long and you know it's it's not that big of a deal Mm -hmm. and it's not i've actually looked into the return like there's no policy that says thou shalt not make youtube review and then return like i'm soon there will be probably after enough dave mazes they probably will start doing that (laughs) but that's how that's how kinetika started like because obviously we were starting from nothing um so i didn't have any connections at all and that's all we did i just had about five thousand dollars of liquid cash that we just kind of used to buy and um you know if if i wanted to keep something for a little bit longer um even if i kept it for a month or two like if it's a new product it's gonna like the resale on it is pretty close to what i bought it for especially on ebay because it's already Mm -hmm. fairly new to begin with um so i maybe would lose like a hundred bucks but at that point it's like i paid a hundred dollars for it and I made 500 off of AdSense, you know, so it obviously balanced out from a business perspective. Yeah, so. totally. Um, That's really smart. I never <clears> thought about that. So, <laughs> yeah. And then I, I dig sure- super deep into what I own and don't go, don't, I never go outside of what I own. Everything is but just I mean, like super, super in depth on what I own. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want you to ever stray away from just like you being you and doing that. I think there's a lot of value in what you're doing. Um, in fact, I would argue that the amount of C70 content you've done right now warrants the ability for you to make a course, like a two to three hour course on the C70, the full like Caleb Pike type of thing where it's like the mm-hmm. can- the ultimate course. And you already like, yes, I know the numbers aren't crazy high, but like I bet almost every C70 user has seen your stuff. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I think you're right. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, I, uh, and then I do have like a, I was going to say, I, I do have like a newsletter that isn't really a newsletter, but like oh. I, I've said this as much in the videos, like I, I have a newsletter just in case like YouTube implodes or something. And, and in, in that dystopian yeah. future, like I still need to contact the people who love my stuff. You can sign oh, up for the cool. newsletter. So like I've never sent out a newsletter, but I have, few hundred i don't know how many i haven't checked it but oh, newsletter sign up you know, myself email i'm gonna do that right now sign up yeah anyone who That's wants to just... sign up for my newsletter in case youtube goes out of business it's in the it's in the description of every one of my videos so <laughs> i do have that like small base of people yeah. that you yeah. know i could try to sell that course to if i wanted to but it but really for being honest all all my good information is already free on youtube like i wouldn't want to trick yeah, anyone exactly. into to paying for what's already there. No, anytime I learn something, I'm going to make a video about it, and it's it's got to go on. Tri- it's not a trick because channel. you've you've added so much value to me as a C70 user, and I know if I'm speaking for myself, I'm speaking for several others who can relate. You've poured a lot of like heart and and sweat and tears into what you're doing, and so if you offered a you know fifty dollar, hundred dollar, hundred fifty dollar, whatever it is, course. Like I, I would buy it because not only have I already benefited from your education, but like it, it helps me feel like I'm supporting you. And then in addition to that, having the ultimate kind of like, this is the mega thing that has all of it in one place. Like it is easier for me. Instead of clicking just, around to 30 different videos. Yeah. yeah. Have it just consolidated. And then you, you're not having to, 
you don't have to do the YouTube thing either. You're not having to think about retention and like clickable titles and whatnot. It's, it's simply the information. Um, and I mean, the payout on that could be, uh, significant, you know? So, um, because, you know, just do the math. If you're selling a $200 course, um, and you sell, let's say, let's just be generous and say you sell 400 of them. That's $79,000, you know? Oh, so, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> that, I, I knew it was, I actually didn't think it would be that high. I was like, that'll be, uh, oh yeah, that's a lot. I mean, that's only 400 people. I mean, yeah. So 199 yeah. times 100 people say 100 people buy it, That's $20,000, you know, only a hundred people, which I think you could probably sell it to a hundred people. Am I getting I think those I gears turning? Too. Yeah, hundred, hundred. I definitely, I think I could with my numbers. If we're and then <laughs> and it becomes something that you promote, you know, moving forward too. It's something that you you mm-hmm. sell, you know, moving forward. So um, it's like, well, you know, I'm doing freelance to pay the bills and whatnot, and I don't have time to build the course. So it's like, well, let's let's just hypothetically say that you're getting paid twenty thousand dollars to make this course. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, have you ever um, now I can have you ever time. done or participated in someone else's like? live paid um like one-on-one chatting no i've never done uh well yeah hayden hillier smith did an editing um thing once that i was a part of yeah and then um i did pay a a youtube consultant named patty galloway recently to do a consultation um but that was just a one-on-one zoom call so yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's, I kind of like, wasn't quite sure how to word it, but that's basically what I mean. Like, cause people do hit me up semi-regularly about that. Like, do you hmm. like, uh, do you sell like zoom calls basically like consultations yeah. or uh, they word it different ways, but cause that might even be more helpful if people have like specific questions that like I haven't talked about in a video and therefore I probably yeah. wouldn't even think to talk about in the course, but they like need help on something that is in my wheelhouse with the well, camera that I know pretty well that that could be maybe a, a source of revenue i i um explore in the future yeah you could do like a patreon that becomes a um you know it becomes kind of a community of c70 users and you gain access to the discord or something mm-hmm. um you can post the you know these courses on there you can do a one-on-one call if you just had 200 people sign up to a ten dollar a month program that's two thousand dollars a month you know that's twenty four thousand dollars a year of uh reoccurring revenue um which may be more uh it it might be better because it's a reoccurring uh payment so um i'm glad that you brought this up because like between you and me and anyone who's watching i uh i didn't make a lot of money the past half half of this year because I was focusing so much on making good YouTube videos. And, uh, and also I shot a documentary that took like a month of pre-production and a month and a half to shoot and two months to edit. So between making that doc and making YouTube videos, that was basically my summer and, and then some, and I took on like a a shoot here or there. Um, but I basically like was dwindling down some savings as I was investing in, uh, in that film and in my channel. Yeah. So I, it's time to make, it's time for me to make my money now and going into a, going into the winter. Sure. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I think you're at a good stage right now because you've, you've got the experience, you've built a community, you have a couple of videos that popped off. Um, you could start expanding it out. You know, you can start adding 
I think similar cameras would do well if you did an R5C video, if you did a C C500, you know, Mark II video, if you compared it to the Sony, um, you know, that guy that made that Alexa LUT for the C70, he makes a LUT for the A7S and you could do a comparison between the two, see if they match between each other and also see how, you know, as a Canon user who's been burned by Sony, that's an interesting story that you can tell in the video. It's like, I got burned by the original A7S and then you can mm-hmm. see it through to the end and see if you actually end up liking it, you know, and that's an interesting story narrative. That's a nice story. That's a nice arc. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like that. Yeah. Think about the arc. Um, <laughs> the, the biggest kind of misconception about YouTube in 2022 right now is, is that people are stuck in the old um, strategy, which is consistently pumping out videos like every day or like every week. Um, it's not important to post every single week anymore. It's actually more important to have a consistency of content, not necessarily consistency of frequency. Um, I think it is important to definitely be consistent, you know, at least once or twice a month, but you want the quality to be the same and you want the content to kind of fit in a, in a cinematic universe, if you will, um, with each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you, if you posted like one of your music videos, just as like, Hey, I made this music video, check it out. Yeah. It's like that, that wouldn't fit the cinematic universe of your channel anymore. Like it's, it's just not what the channel Mm -hmm. is. And, but if you did a, behind the scenes breakdown on how you did it and how you lit it and how you exposed and your, you know, obviously that would fit. So, um, but yeah, I, my strategy has completely changed on my main channel. Now I'm just doing big high con <clears throat> high concept videos, um, and spending like two or three months working on it and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, um, spending way too much that, money and time on good it. To- yeah. That's the uh, the consistency thing is one thing that like I I guess I am kind of stuck in the mindset of thinking in the old YouTube way I guess of I want to release a video every like two weeks or three weeks and I think this like upcoming Tuesday is going to be the first three weeks that have passed that I haven't posted a video in like many months many many months because I'm just mm. I was finishing up that film and um, sure you don't I feel have, bad I have a I'm, yeah, and and I do, I do feel bad, Dave. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I missed this. Like, it's been so many three week intervals. I went, like, I was <laughs> traveling for so long, and I, I, I banked videos so I could still post them every three weeks. And now I'm just, life happens, <clears> and uh, it's gonna be four or five weeks. So it's good to hear that you like the video I'm working <laughs> yeah. on now is a good one. I'm really, I think awesome. it's gonna be great, and I, I'm glad that's the priority is is the quality, not the totally not how how frequently. Yeah, Mr. Beast has kind of proved that model and uh, several others like him um, have proven that it's it's really the idea, the concept, and the execution is what makes a video succeed. It's not just the old strategy of like Logan Paul posting every single day and all like half mm-hmm. of the videos were garbage, but at least he was posting every day. And because he, simply he was doing a daily vlog, it just blew up like crazy. Um, that's not the case anymore. Um, so yeah, you don't glad. Yeah. That serves the users better. You know, we want quality content. We don't just want, yeah. It was a different, like the strategy from YouTube's perspective, the strategy five years ago was we just need more creators. There's, there's a lot of people watching YouTube and we don't have enough content. So anybody who was frequently putting stuff out, they promoted like crazy. Cause it's like, cool. There's a bunch of content. 
But now it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of creators doing a lot of the same things. And so now the algorithm is getting a little bit more picky and it's a lot smarter and it knows this video is bad. This video is good. We're going to show this video to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and not only that, like if for me, for example, I did a video, um, the DJI mini three versus the inspire two back in like may. And it, you know, I spent about two months on it and worked really hard on it, you know, tried to make it scientifically algorithmically work. And my, you know, retention is like 70% all the way to the end. Click through rate is really high. But after about two weeks, it it blew up to like a hundred thousand, almost a hundred thousand views in like two weeks or a week and a half. And then it's just completely flatlined ever since then. In fact, I think it's still sitting at like 94,000 views or something. It's just, it hasn't even moved for like two or three months. And it's, I, that's, I had this call with this consultant and he said, the problem is not the video. He's like the thumbnail, the title and the video are all great. This is, this is a great video. The problem is this is the only video on your entire channel. That's this, that's like this. So YouTube is smart enough now to determine that even though this video is performing well, if we promote this channel, people aren't going to have anything else to watch that will that they yeah. can binge or that they can watch more of. So we're just not going to promote it anymore. <laughs> so um, that makes so much sense that I never would have thought of that. Yeah. So that's why consistency of content and have a have a long term yeah. s- strategy in mind. Um, so my strategy now is just to make bangers and to do 10, I need to make 10 of them in the next 12 months. That's, that's my goal is like one year from now, I want to have 10 bangers and that's it. I don't need to make any more. I don't need to make anything else. I'm just going to try my best to make 10 really good videos. And then a year from now, as I continue that strategy, hopefully there'll be at least a library of content that's similar to each other. that can then be promoted. <clears throat> Excuse me. So anyways, that's the strategy for me, but it, that, uh, that makes sense. Why my chair video, my, uh, my ergonomic office chair, ultimate ergonomic office chair video, which I think is one of my best videos I've made on the channel, but oh, yeah. the only one that's not related to video production also has a complete flat line. It got decent ah. views the first, I don't know, day or two. And then completely flatlined, I think, because yeah, no one who watched that video is going to be interested whatsoever in anything <laughs> about C70 raw or exposure or yeah anything else to the like I, I, well, I initially I'm... named that video best ultimate uh, like video editing chair to try to uh-huh. like shoehorn it into my niche but then after like two days YouTube was outsmarted me they knew it wasn't a wasn't about video production so I said I'll, just, <laughs> I'll change the t- I'll change the title to what it actually is which is ultimate ergonomic office chair you know yeah. I talk about video production in it but it's really all about that amazing chair. <laughs> I uh I actually watched that video <clears throat> all the way through. It is really good. Uh <clears throat> and uh I'm cuz I'm always looking for a chair. So <clears throat> um although I I just I never like want to spend the money on a chair. It just feels like <sighs> you know like the the Herman, the Herman Miller chairs are so nice but they're you know $1500 or whatever. It's like that I, I think that's what this one is. Yeah. I think yeah. with my promo code, it might be $1,500 or it might, or it might be 2000 I forget. But it's, <laughs> it's still not even out yet. That was a prototype. I'm waiting for mine. I'm eagerly oh, wow. waiting mine to come in the mail, hopefully, in the next couple months. Are you familiar with this book, there? The YouTube Formula by Daryl Eaves? Are you familiar with this, Eric? I'm not. 
Okay. This is the Bible for YouTube. This is literally like the most like detailed beginning to end, you know, thumbnail title retention graph, like understanding where YouTube came from, what works best. Daryl Eves is like the master. He uh, created vid summit, which is actually taking place next week in California. I'm really excited to go to that. Um, he works with Mr. Beast. He is the one who created the, uh, squatty potty commercial. Um, and then he also is, uh, one of the main producers for, uh, the chosen, which is a, uh, the most successfully fun, uh, Kickstarter funded, uh, show in history. And it's like, uh, it's a, a, a full cinematic series about the life of Jesus Christ. So anyways, but that's completely unrelated to this, to be honest, but he's just a very smart business guy. But this book is like, I, I recommend it to everybody. I highly recommend it yeah. uh, to you. Um, you should definitely pick one up. Um, it's just everything you need to know about being a YouTuber. I mean, you've already Thanks learned a lot, I'm yeah. sure, but um, highly recommend it. Um, I mean, now I, have, I feel like now I have that base. Like now that I have a year or two of experience, I can actually start to yeah. probably make decisions, 100%. make strategy decisions now that I have enough trial and error and a small audience that I can, totally. I, I can warrant making decisions like based off of uh, information like that. It's not, it's not theoretical. I can put it into practice right away. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I'm excited to see like where everything goes. And uh, I mean, <clears throat> we, we didn't really talk much about like your whole history, but can you give us like in a nutshell, kind of how, how you got into filmmaking and um, how we, how it's led to this. I mean, you mentioned the music thing, like you've done these, these documentary films. Tell me about all that. Yeah. Uh, the quick synopsis is that I, I, uh, I went to school for journalism for like broadcast journalism to college for that because in high school, I just always played with cameras, you know, as everyone's origin story basically is the family had a camera. So I went to school for broadcast journalism and made like basically mini documentaries every week for the school's public access news show. Um, and so I learned how to light interviews. I learned how to interview people. I learned how to edit sound bites and B-roll and make like tight, concise stories out of reality in those journalism mm-hmm. classes. And it's such a thrill. It's, it's the same, you know, feeling I have now when I work on documentaries, it was so much fun. Um, but after college, I basically had the opportunity to like work for small newspapers or like very, very remote like TV stations if I wanted to try to apply to somewhere in, you know, Oklahoma or something. So I, uh, I much to my surprise got video editing work. I got hired by a video editing company and uh-huh. then went on to bigger, better video editing companies. Um, I became a video editor for a number of years and then, um, on the side was always filming always filming my band, filming my friends' bands, making music videos, live sessions. And that that's how the channel started. And then, yeah, eventually I had enough, uh, enough clients, editing clients and cinematography clients to go freelance and make my company. And now I pretty much don't take on freelance editing. I just edit my own stuff. And I, uh, yeah, just obsessed with cinematography and lighting and cameras and talk about that on my YouTube channel. Cause that's what I, obsess over in my own time. So I figured I should share it with other yeah. people and it's been a lot of fun for the last two years sharing it. Now, I, I just want to give you some encouragement. I don't know if you know any other YouTubers, but you definitely have kind of like what it takes. You understand, you understand the the basics of it. You're really good at it. 
Um, I just think <clears throat> if you really wanted to make a living at it, uh, to ex- experiment with um, broader niches and just begin to mm-hmm. um, transition into a new era of the channel. Um, I think it's important for all YouTubers to, at a certain point, realize that they have to um, either just continue doing what they're doing or be willing to evolve and and change um, to move forward with their career. I've evolved multiple times and this is this next stage for me is a big evolution for me and I'm really excited about it. Um, so yeah, I just want to encourage you and say that you definitely are very talented at being a YouTuber <laughs> and um, <laughs> Thank you. just take it from me, you know, who I've been doing this now for about four years uh, full time, except for last year, I took the whole year off last year, but so it's four years total, but it's been five years of me sort of being involved in it. But um, mm-hmm. at least for a person like myself, I have thoroughly enjoyed it way more than I ever enjoyed freelance because I don't like working with clients who have stupid ideas. So, <laughs> or like a million changes. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, it was really freeing for me to finally like be able to just execute exactly what I saw in my head without any notes. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited to meet you and I just really wanted to like encourage you and, and give you as much, you know, information as I could about YouTube. Cause I think you really have a lot of uh, talent and a lot of um, potential and I would be happy to be your, your first YouTube friend. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> That's warms my heart. I'm, I'm I'm so glad you rambled at me because I do want want all of your insights and, uh, and to to hear your your thoughts specifically. Like looking at my channel, this is you know I would pay for this you know to have to have your thoughts specifically on on where I'm at from someone in my niche that I that I respect and watch. So really appreciate it. Well, I'll be I'll be sending you a friendship bracelet uh, soon. And we, can, <laughs> we can wear that YouTuber friend you can, as well. You'll see it in my next it. video. Yeah. <laughs> little charm all right eric thanks so much thank you dave dang yeah that was a great interview yeah definitely we just listened to it clearly and it's not five seconds later from the last time you saw us um yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so we got a website now yeah ghp.fm so if you want to uh submit a question or have any feedback for our show there's a section on our website where you can do that. I'm still in the process of uh, developing it yep. as I'm saying this. Yeah, he so. literally bought it like right before this. So. Yeah, so I haven't built the website so. as I'm recording this. But yeah. then when this show goes live, there will be something there. Yeah. Um, it will just probably have a, a, a field where you can just, it's a contact field where you can send us questions mm-hmm. or submit feedback. I was just thinking, you know, I think in a couple episodes we've been saying, hey, send us a tweet, send us a DM. Blah blah blah. It's, it's just like, too messy. It's too messy. Yeah, so it's too messy. we're gonna go ahead and funnel it all to the website, ghp.fm. Yep. The FM is a bit of an audio uh, pun there. Yeah. Or um, I mean, we'll still look at YouTube. Don't don't. Yeah. Don't not comment on YouTube. That still works. Totally. Please leave a uh, comment on the YouTube video if you're watching this video. Yeah. It greatly helps uh, the algorithm. Someone comment on the color of Dave's shirt. Yeah. Positive or negative. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, I have something to tell you, Dave. Okay. Let's it's hear. kind of big news. Biggie news. Huge huh? news. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah. Uh, Chick-fil-A sells hamburgers. 
what yeah <laughs> since when uh i don't know so i was scrolling through instagram and uh-huh. there's this guy that does i've done work with once and he was like yep uh chick-fil-a has hamburgers or cheeseburgers and yes they are delicious and i was like what you're crazy um and so i went to chick-fil-a's website and it was like the luau burger on their the web- luau burger yeah on chick-fil-a's website what um, I, don't, I feel like this has to be select stores because I've not seen or heard of this until now. Huh. But it is, it is interesting. It's a grilled burger patty topped with Colby Jack cheese, fresh grilled pineapple, hence luau, and crispy apple wood smoked bacon served on a warm toasted sweet bun. I feel like this is like anti-Chick-fil-A. Pineapple? I, yeah. Is I, that what that yellow thing is? Yeah, I thought it was an egg at first, didn't you? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you definitely go to Chick-fil-A's website and look at this, this is blowing my mind. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, this there's is, no chicken on it at all. No chicken at it. There is beef and there is pork uh, and pineapple for some reason. <laughs> uh, I just feel like this goes against everything Chick-fil-A. Uh, their branding, their advertising with the I cows. Guess. Well, um, that's, that's long gone now, I guess. But I guess so, yeah. It's just what just, I remember growing up. Yeah, no, I, I, I do as well. Eat more chicken. Um, um, I don't know if this is the burger he was talking about, but when I went to the website, that was the one I saw was the, the internet burger. is buzzing about a Chick-fil-A cheeseburger. Um, I don't know how old this is. This might be old news, but I've never heard of this until today. Well, it was, yeah, this was published in August. Okay. Um, so it's definitely not new. <laughs> Chick-fil-A burger has TikTok exploding. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I don't have TikTok, so that's the yeah. thing. That might be what's going on right now but um very strange very strange i thought you'd get a kick out of that that is amazing and why would they choose this odd uh version of it too yeah i i have no idea i don't know if that's like a hawaii thing Mm. or what's going on but i i was in chick-fil-a yesterday uh and i saw no burgers so uh yeah maybe it must be select stores um yeah let us know uh if you guys have heard of this and or there's one available to you and if so is it good because i i do want to try it i just need to is, figure it out there is one uh, not far from here that serves it that serves it really okay also the one in in uh, this area <laughs> good good save dave this place item not available at this restaurant okay, okay. so yeah so this one it does have it okay Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm going through their website. Here. May, um, Wait, where is it? So I you want to? I don't see it. We'll figure it out. Um, if there's one close, Dave, do you want to go to Chick Fil A sometime? Oh yeah, we should definitely <laughs> uh, get it and do a review. Yeah, that'd be kind of funny. It'd be cold by the time we got it here, but uh, <laughs> could be still funny. Well, we still need to do the uh, the infamous In and Out debate. Yeah. on the show at some yeah, point. Yeah, that'll happen at some point. But, but uh, very interesting. Yeah, I'm actually it, I'm still not able to really understand how to how to order that but yeah. um i'm curious about it well chick-fil-a is a georgia founded place so it might be like a only in georgia or something who knows yeah let us know ghp.fm yeah let us know well that's it thanks for listening and uh have a great week yeah we'll catch you next time see you next week <laughs>